this podcast with Thomas and Toke, and we would be discussing about diversity and inclusion in the workplace. And at the conclusive part, we'll be discussing some methods by which diversity and inclusion strategies can be achieved in an organization. So briefly, I would discuss what diversity and inclusion in Canada entails. And um, in Canada, there is an Employment Equity Act that ensures all Canadians have equal access to labor market and requires employers uh, take actions to ensure the full representation of the four specific target groups. So these four specific target groups are indigenous people, um, disabled minorities, disabled persons, and women in STEM and um, management. So I have um, Toke and Thomas with us who actually fall into two of these four um, representative work workforce. And um, I want them to introduce themselves briefly. Thomas. I'm Thomas Fable. I'm from Johnson Shoyoma Graduate School. I am a first year in the program. Okay, and Toke. Uh, my name is Toke Odeni. Um, also a current student in the Johnson Shoyoma School of Public Policy in the MPA program, and I currently work for the Minister of Trade and Export Development. Thank you, guys. So, um, do you have any particular discriminatory experience from your workplace? And as, as, um, an, as an indigenous person or as a minority? Thomas, I think you, you can go first. Yeah. Uh, so, in my past, I worked in the trades. So, that was construction and uh, transport. So, I was a long haul truck driver and I worked local. And in, in those specific uh, I guess the part of the workforce, that's where I had faced the most discrimination because uh, I find that when it comes to the kind of work setting that I was in, it was kind of conducive to that kind of behavior. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like everyone was kind of like, yeah. oh, it's just it's just jokes. It's just, you know, we're all trying to be friends with each honey. And those little things that are supposed to slide off your back are discriminatory, right? So one would have, sometimes would have toolbox meetings and I'd walk in and I'm like, oh, now it's a powwow because it's a little group meeting. So I had toolbox meeting in the afternoon or morning. I'm like, oh, it's a powwow now. And you're supposed to be like, oh, <laughs> laugh it off because that's just, you know, how we're just tough guys, right? We're in construction, we're doing this and that, but you know, what else are you going to do? I can't go in and get physical or do anything about work, you know, it, it, and I, it's everyone's kind of been there longer than me and I was always the younger person so I had really no seniority anywhere I went so it was just take it and then you know brush it off thank you um Toke um I won't say directly in the professional setting as um discrimination but I've had cases where people made um really rude comments and um they laughed about it as if it was just a joke, but um, I didn't find it funny. Uh, an example which happened quite recently, um, I forgot what we were talking about. And we, oh yeah, we were talking about um, losing our jobs and things like that. What would you do for money? And then uh, somebody jokingly said, wow, you could just kidnap people in in your workplace and ask for a ransom and i thought really um but they were referring to the situation back home in nigeria where a few people have been kidnapped but i thought 
uh, that's really rude first of all there's not much you can do about it just to make things clear um Chukka is recognized as visible minority under the Canadian Employment Equity Act and Thomas is recognized as um an indigenous person just to make um things clear so going to the next one how do you think this issue of discrimination can be worked or, con- or can be curbed or controlled in a work environment do you guys have any idea because the purpose of this um interview is actually to make things clear at the workplace in public sector how can we make diversity and inclusion recognize how can we curb those issues that keep propelling day by day what do you think what do you think can actually be done to curb these issues that keep going on um i'm not sure but i so i haven't experienced outright discrimination but some of those comments i take it as uh it stems from people's ignorance and so if there can be some cultural exposure in the workplace um maybe a day to learn about each other and people actually take an interest in the other person's culture that you are not familiar with i think they would come to understand um what's a no go area and um, what you can joke about because everyone just takes uh, things that are not funny funny yeah. Yeah. Thomas, do you have any comments on this? Oh yeah, that that sounds like something that I I would feel would be beneficial for everyone if they were to engage in the same thing. Uh just because if you have a workplace that has diversity and you those situations where someone might not know otherwise and the ignorance comes off as discrimination. And I don't know if that's the case all the time because you now in 2020, you know, there's internet, there's everything so everyone should know what should be, you know, considered uh social or appropriate, right? So I I feel like in terms Very of yeah. diverse diversity in the workplace in the public sector from my own personal experience, I've always found that it was really diversified. So but to what extent and the exact numbers I don't know. but i know there's a great majority of the individuals working at social services or of uh ethnicity or a different culture so it's it's pretty diverse there and i i'm not the only indigenous person that works at the down at social services there's some other indigenous people so i don't feel like there's a diversity issue in the social services around here okay Thank you for that. And then to my second question, do you think people have certain perspectives or stereotypes to you because of your background or where you come from? And what are some of these stereotypes? What are some of these perspectives people have to you? For example, I'll use myself as um I'll use myself as an example. Myself and Toke come from the same place and then generally people would see Nigerians as oh first stars right because oh, oh this is where this person is from have you do you think people have this kind of stereotypes to you and what are some of these stereotypes being said to you uh did you want me to go there too then yeah you can go first start okay. I'm still thinking about our one okay yeah so i mean i feel that everywhere i go um even today it's it's kind of difficult being that this is our local region so there's a history between the locals around here and first nations are intertwined and there's a lot of misconceptions of the actual history and i think that's what makes it so confusing so a lot of what the media puts up there like all oh, we we all know media controls everyone's perspective of everything because that's what people base what they're saying on 
putting on the internet off what they read online. And most of the images of First Nations online is, you know, we're on drugs or that's the what people comment, not so much media itself, right? That we're we're drunks, we're alcoholics, we're dirty, this and that. And those have been going on for ages in terms of First Nations and Canada, I'm not going to say individuals, but you know, just First Nations in general and Canada, the relationship has always been kind of cruddy, right? So we've always kind of had that. And I think today too, I think personally, on a personal level, I experienced that just because of where I came from as well too, like uh, my own personal background, what I was into before I came to university and how I look and how I appear, right? Thank you for that, Thomas. Tokyo, do you have any stereotypes you would like to share? Um, well, I think sometimes it's the, it's the little things really, uh, people assuming that English is not my first language. Uh, I remember saying to somebody that I scored in English for over 16 years and, uh, the person was like, but, um, English is not your first language. The fact that you scored in English doesn't mean you can, um, say that English is your first language, um, little things like that. I personally usually take it that it's that uh, people are not exposed. And, but you're right, I understand your comment, Thomas, that it's the 21st century, uh, it should be better. Do you guys think there's anything you can say or do to change these perspectives? I think that uh, I'm doing all that I can do personally and I mean if I was to go to bed every night and worry about the perspectives I wouldn't be where I am right now right so I I, I try not to focus on the perspectives that just general society has on me or my you know background I just try to focus on what's you know ahead of me and what I'm doing right now because those perspectives there, I don't think they're going to go away anytime soon, you know. They've been around for as long as Canada's been Canada. And I think as education gets better and there's individuals that are doing their part and educating people like myself, I think those perspectives will get challenged and met with adversity. So they'll have to either change how they feel or else, you know, be the, the odd ones out that aren't with it anymore. Okay. Okay, do you want to add in? I, I have... Yes, I have to agree with you, Thomas. Um, you can only do your part. Uh, for me, I remember uh, someone made a comment to me. Um, it's been a long time, but a person said, you know, there's two things that's probably working against you in the workplace. One, you're a woman. Two, you're black. Um, so you have to take it upon yourself to be better. Um, you have to put that pressure upon yourself that not to let your work or anything about you come into question and so that it opens door for harder people. And I know that that has been happening for years. There's a lot of uh, black people in my workplace. Not a lot of uh, amount, but I think that one thing I can do as a person is just continue to do better so that the stereotypes, the discriminations cannot, you can make claims to it when it comes to me. That's what I think I can do. 
very sure I agree with that though. It's all, it's, it's, I think it's what you do today that actually determines how they perceive you as a person. So the thing is, if um, people keep, keep having general perception about what where you come from, it is what you do in that group, in that team, that actually changes their orientation to something different from what they've always had. So my next question is, um, what would you consider as challenges to inclusive diversity in your organization? I have some, I have an example, like for instance, is um, negative attitudes, attitudes of the same perception, stereotypes, and communication gaps between the management and the employees. What would you consider as challenges to diversity in your organization? I feel like to have true diversity is difficult because everyone there's there's so much out there that you have to have now to be diversified. You know, there's the LGBTQYRT. I'm sorry if I didn't get that right. I'm not familiar with it. And then there's you know indigenous people, and then there's people that are visible minority, right? And to be able to get that much um, diversity in one setting is difficult, and there's no way you'll have true inclusion. But I think. what, what most places are doing is they're kind of just looking at credentials now. And I think that's the part that uh, that really makes a difference is credentials. Is this person uh, like on paper? Because I, I did an employment program in the past and what we used to say is your resume and your cover letter are the first glimpse an employer gets before they hire you. And from that paper, they can't tell if you're gay, bi, black, white, Asian, anything like that. And it's just what you are on paper. So we want to present that first. And I think that's what um, a lot of places are gravitating towards. Just because it, it, lim- it eliminates, not doesn't eliminate, but it limits that fact that they need that diversity factor. If they can say, oh, we tried to have that diversity factor. You know, we hired based on credentials, but I'm not too sure if there's anywhere that does that actually. But I, I that's, I had this, we had this debate before in a different class, I think, talking about true diversity. And I'm all for, you know, having a diverse workplace, but what does that look like? Because there's all will be, there will always be someone pissed off that, you know, this person was excluded. I was going to come to that later on, but um, it's just here from Turkey and then we move to the next stage. I agree and disagree with you, Thomas, in the sense that I understand, um, one experience of mine, um, when I just finished my master's program um, a few years ago, I tried to get a job and then I put my name on my resume, the way it is pronounced back at home, my full name. And that's what I expected. And after a while, I wasn't getting callbacks. And I think I wasn't, in my opinion, I wasn't reaching for jobs that I didn't qualify for. And so I went back to a resume clinic. I wanted people to, you know, help me look at this. Am I coming across as something I'm not? And when I left the resume clinic, they were like, there's nothing wrong with your resume. They didn't make one adjustment. And then another person told me, would you consider changing your name Um, to something someone would be able to pronounce? And I've seen people do that a lot in Canada. I have seen a lot of people do that. So sometimes I don't know how you want to change that in that sense. Yes, your resume comes across 
and uh, people have that first impression about you. But what if your name gives you away that this person's probably not white? What do you do in that case? Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't think of that fact. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I agree with you there. Right. I mean, I personally, I've I went down to uh, eHealth downtown and I went there to submit some people's birth certificates. And there was a visible minority like yourselves that were down there and they were changing the name of their son from what it was to something more, you know, Canadian sounding. And I, I, heard, I heard his original name and I was like, okay, that's cool. And I was like, I, and, I, and I instantly knew I was like, oh, he's changing his name because he's in Canada now and it's easier to pronounce that. And yeah, I've never thought of that, but that's that's a good point. So yes, um, I, I agree with uh, um, diversity, you know, basically looking at your qualifications and if the person meets the qualifications, then it's fine. But uh, sometimes I feel it should be like a blind, blind reading first, you know, don't look at the name, don't look at anything, number the resumes and just read it. And if the person meets what you're looking for, then you can look at the name. And you, because you've already uh, picked out the people you want to call back for an interview or something like that. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, so guys, let's. Um, I think we are kind of behind. Yeah, we are lacking behind in time now. But then just to clarify um, everything that has been said, I think during one of our classes, one of our leadership classes, there was this um, particular um, issue Jim shared with us as regards having um, like a company employing a representative workforce, like leaving the space of a representative workforce, like for example, the Ministry of um, Social Services wants to employ and they want like, they are really like, they're, they're going to be prioritizing the representative workforce now, regardless of if you're qualified or not. You as someone falls into that perspective, what do you do? Do you think, oh, this... I think Tokyo said something once that sometimes it could make you feel excluded, yeah? could make you feel excluded, like probably we're not really based on merits, but because the employee wants a representative workforce within the organization, which sometimes I think, is it, does it really make a lot of sense or they are being biased at the, at the point? That's a question that keeps ringing in my head anytime we come into that. But then um, to the next thing, I I would like us to discuss, do you, does your organization have any diversity policies that you know of? Other than um, self-identifying, I don't know of another one. It could also just be that I don't know of it and there's something else going on. Yeah, that's me too. I'm the same way. I'm not too sure. Like I just started there a month ago and I'm, I got a whole bunch of policies and I'm pretty sure I got one about diversity, but I got so much going on that I, it's in my email somewhere. Oh, okay. Okay, if you guys don't know if you, um, the organization has one, but have you ever thought of um, formulating one, like assisting in the formulation of one? Has you ever crossed your mind? No. Would you do that? Uh, sorry, it's... <laughs> I don't I think I, I, I haven't either. I, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I think that if they were thinking about one and they asked for my opinion, yes, I would give it. Um, would I 
go in and say, oh no, we need a diversity policy, I, I wouldn't. That's just my nature, not because of anything. Fair enough. Okay, so um, just to get to the conclusive part of um, this interview, the major reason why I'm conducting this, aside from the fact that it's been, aside from the fact that it's um, an applied project for my GSGS882 class, it's, I feel most organizations in Canada might not necessarily have might not necessarily know the methods or strategies they can use in um, in incorporating incorporating diversity and inclusion in their organization, which has a lot of benefits to them, aside from benefits to the to those um, specific individuals. And some of the methods, like I, I just want to share some of the methods that the organizations can incorporate diversity and inclusion strategy. And then I want you guys to learn and go back to your organization. If you will be willing to formulate one, I will be so glad. <laughs> okay, and some of this method include um, encouraging diversity through leadership positions. For me, I don't know, probably because I'm new, pretty new in Canada, but it's so rare to come across people who fall, who fall into this um, representative workforce to be in leadership positions. Like, it's not so common. Yes, they are, but it's not so common. Right, it's so uncommon to see probably a disabled person as the director or as the deputy minister, right? Same with probably a woman. Yes, women are kind of getting more more and more support day by day. So we would not necessarily say women. It's so difficult for you to see a visible minority into in in um, leadership in a leadership position at the work. Please, same with an indigenous person. So I would say encouraging diversity through leadership position is very important. Another one would be having diversity policies in place. This can be done by involving employees of diverse background in the formulation and implementation of such policies. One of such examples is the um, LGBTQI. For example, like having um instead of having a male and a female toilet. We could have one which is for anyone, anybody, whatever you are. That's a that's a policy, right? At your workplace, that would it will save anyone who falls into the um who falls into the transgender position into being caught up in the middle. They can they know they can always use any of those um, restrooms without being saying, "Oh, I'm a man or I'm a woman," right? Then another one would be building diversity into the hiring process. I think this is important because. A diverse workplace has more product, has more productivity. They have more productivity. They have more innovation. They have more creativity. And this can be, like I said earlier, I was talking about the rep- representative workforce. This is leaving a quota of okay, probably we are hiring hundred people today in um, Ministry of Social Services. Why can't we leave a quota of ten to twenty people for? This representative workforce, right? And then the last option for me would be having diversity trainings and um, having diversity trainings and um, and cultural learning exchange where you can um, have like a potluck kind of thing, get everyone to cook their traditional foods to the workplace, get them to wear their traditional attires, get them to mix with each other and every other person who is who is who doesn't who doesn't necessarily fall into the category of the representative workforce. So having all of this would gradually incorporate the culture of diversity and inclusion in the workplace and at the end of the day it will necessarily be an issue overall yeah 
So that's all I have here. Thank you so much, Toke and Thomas, for your time. Thank you for sharing your ideas with us. And I hope you guys go back to your workplace and help in the formulation of diversity policies. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. Uh, I cannot promise that, but <laughs> I hope you get to. I hope you get to actually. Yeah. Thank All you right. so much. You're welcome. Who knows what the future holds? Yes, right. I know. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. Bye.